Walt Disney knew that Joe Fowler was the man that he wanted. He needed a responsible and capable administrator to oversee the development and the building of his fantasy park that he would later call Disneyland. And so Joe Fowler, he he was a retired rear admiral in the U.S. Navy and also a master builder of warships. And he was living living in San Diego and he had all their credentials. The problem was that Joe Fowler wasn't interested. He had worked hard all of his life, had a long career, and was looking forward to spending time with his wife in retirement. He just didn't want such a huge responsibility this, at this stage in his life. So when Walt Disney called him, he said, uh, no. But Walt Disney was persistent, and he asked, you know what, can I just come down to San Diego and see and just share my plans with you and, and, and hear some of your insights and ideas? And Fowler thought, ah, well, there won't be any harm in that. So he agreed. And after a lengthy conversation, Disney said, okay, well, how about flying up to Anaheim this afternoon and, and taking a look at the property? And Fowler thought, well, there won't be any harm in that. So he agreed to go. And after looking at the, the site, Disney said, okay, well, how about coming over to my house for, for this evening for dinner? And Fowler thought, well, there won't be any harm in that. So he agreed to go to Disney's house for dinner. After the meal, Walt Disney took Fowler out to, uh, to ride this little train that he had surrounding his property. And then there was an observer that said, man, they must have ridden around that loop 90 times that night. When they were finished, Disney said, you know, Joe, it's too late to fly back to San Diego tonight. Why don't you just spend the night? And Fowler thought, well, there won't be any harm in that. So he agreed to spend the night. Joe's perception might be a little at stake here, but he's... Okay, so the next morning after breakfast, Walt Disney said, hey, you know what? On the way to the airport, why don't we just stop by my office so I can show you the little model that we're making of the park and just get your input on it. See what you have to say. And Fowler thought... Well, there won't be any harm in that. So he agreed. And so they stopped by the office, and Walt Disney opened the door of an adjacent conference room where there were 12 men feverishly working on constructing this, this model of what would become Disneyland. And then when they went in the room, Disney said, Gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? This is Joe Fowler, and he is now in charge of this project. And he shut the door. And that is the way that Joe Fowler became the overseer of the construction of Disneyland and later Disney World. And sometimes it can feel like we do that to you in the church. We, uh, we say, hey, this is, uh, this is Susie. She's now in charge of the children's ministry. Uh, we can, it feels like you can get the rug pulled out from under. You don't really, you, you don't even know where you're at. You, you just, you were like Joe Fowler. You thought, hey, I'm signing up for one shift in the nursery. And next thing you know, you're the children's coordinator. Uh, churches are sometimes so desperate for volunteers. It can feel like you didn't end up where you thought you were going to end up. But you know what? We, we honestly try never to trick people. Maybe you've had a bad experience with that, but the church, though we may be hard up for volunteers sometimes, uh, we never try to be uh, Walt Disney to your Joe Fowler. But unfortunately for years, the, the church has had to plead with people to serve, trying to get them to serve one Sunday a month. You might have seen a volunteer drive or been part of one where there is a, 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 a list there with 30 blanks on it for volunteers. You can come help in, in this ministry and be a part of it. And then after the volunteer drive, there's still 25 blanks 
that on that on that only five people signed up. And every the, every week the church needs a whole lot of volunteers to step up and, and partner with us as the church staff and ministry. Everything you see here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or any part of our events is due in large part to the awesome volunteers that have stepped up, whether it's worship ministry or children's ministry, student ministry, starting point, the cafe security, all of it is going on every week whether you know it or not, and it cannot be done without our volunteers. And there are so many areas of service needed and so few who are willing to step up and serve. The typical number that that you hear in the church a lot of times is that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. And it's been that way for a long time. I've been hearing those numbers for a long time. But don't you want to change that? I've been hearing that for so long, but instead of trying to change it, it seems like we just throw up our hands and go, oh well, that's just the way it is. But to me, that's not really a good answer. Last week we heard that, that as Christians, we have all been given a grace gift. Every single one of us. There's nobody in this room that has not been given a gift when they accepted Christ. And we heard that we are God's handiwork and we have been created to do good works. You have been gifted. You have been created to carry out the mission of Jesus. And so that number should be 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. Because as it currently stands, there are a lot of us, a lot of people sitting on the sidelines, not living out the mission. But the good news is that there's still time to change that. And I hope that something is stirring inside of you this morning as we go through this series with an urge to be used, to to make yourself available, and to do something about that 20% number. I believe that that many people feel this this sense of mission and purpose inside of them, but they don't really realize what it is. Like We all want to make a difference in the world. So many uh, feel a pull towards social justice and and making things right. We we love to help others and serve them. As Christians, we've all received the Spirit of Jesus, which is the Spirit of serving others. Jesus said in Matthew 20, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. These gifts that we have been given are meant to be used to serve others through the church. And what a difference the church could make if every Christian understood that being a follower of Jesus doesn't just mean living in a state of forgiveness and salvation, but that we have been saved to serve others. Last week we started this new series titled Available, and like the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6, we want to make ourselves available and answer the call of the Lord by saying, here am I, send me. Availability is your greatest ability, because until you decide to make yourself and your gifting available, your gift will not be used as it was intended when it was given to you. Last week, we taught on the biblical view of the, on the responsibility to serve, which includes God's glory and holiness, our sinfulness, and the forgiveness that we have through Christ Jesus. When Isaiah was faced with all these things, he immediately made himself available. He immediately said, here am I, send me, God. He answered the call of the Lord. And our hope is that through all this, you will do the same. 
Now the goal of this series is to highlight the areas of our, our, of our church, of our ministry, where you can use your spiritual gift. Some of these areas you may already know about, but sometimes you might not quite know what's involved in that ministry. So we want to highlight different ministries each week, and you can pray and ask God where, where He wants you to be in the church, where He wants you to use your gifting, where He wants you to serve Him. You know, when I was a student minister, I always told my, my volunteers that we want you to be somewhere where you fit, where, where you feel like you're being used in the right way, somewhere you want to be, where you want to serve, that it doesn't feel just like a burden every week. As Christians, we are all called to be serving somewhere, but if you've been serving in the nursery or with middle schoolers and you absolutely hate coming every week, well, then maybe it's time to reassess where you're serving. Because a miserable servant is not good for anybody, anybody really. And listen, as we go through this series and, and you pray for God to lead you, maybe He leads you to, to start or organize a ministry that we're not even doing yet. Reaching out to the community as a new outreach arm that we, we're not even doing, we haven't even thought about. And so if you feel like God is leading you to something that we're not doing yet, then by all means, please share it with me or, or one of the other staff because we might just be missing it and God is calling you to that. I believe one of our responsibilities as a church staff is to help and equip all of you to serve God in, in the way that He's calling you to. And so if I'm going to stand up here and say that we all have a responsibility to serve, that you have been gifted and have a responsibility to, to serve somewhere, then I also believe that the church has a responsibility to provide opportunities to serve. And in that video this morning, in our intro video, you heard from one of our worship ministers, Steve Riley. And our hope with these videos each week is that you'll feel the passion of the leaders of each ministry that they have for that area of service. And we also hope that you'll, you'll see why our volunteers are so important to that ministry. It's always about more than just filling a spot with a warm body. It's about making an impact on somebody's life each and every week from, from birth to age 95. When you come to serve with the right attitude, you never know when the Lord will choose to use you to change somebody else's life. So this morning we're highlighting our worship ministry. Our worship ministry is about so much more than just singing songs on a Sunday morning. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes during the week and things that you might not even know about. And the worship ministry, they're, they're a big reason why our Sunday services just aren't just a complete zoo every, every week. And certainly there are abilities that are on display that can be used in the worship ministry, but gifts such as administration or faith or exhortation or, or prophecy, they can also play a major role. And so pray about it. And if you feel like God is calling you to an area of, of worship ministry, then even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if you can't carry a tune, right, and you feel like God is calling you to that, there might, there's a way that maybe we haven't seen that God would like to use you in that ministry. So reach out to Steve or, or Jay or Taylor or Karen or even me, and we'll work through what God is trying to do through you. Now the last thing we introduced last week is an incredible discovery tool called our Ministry Shape. And remember that the letters in the SHAPE acronym stand for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And each one of these areas make up who you are and they shape you for service in the kingdom of God and through the ministry of the local church. And the message paraphrase of Jeremiah 1.5 says, 
Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. And the same is true for you and I today. Paul says that we have been created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. You have a purpose. All of us sitting here this morning have a purpose. You were created with that purpose in mind. So many of us lose our way and feel like we have no direction or purpose in our life, but God has had a purpose for you since the day you were formed in your mother's womb. He wants you to do something for the kingdom, something specific that He's mapped out for you through the church, the bride of His Son, Jesus, and God has given you a gift to achieve that purpose. Last week we talked about those different spiritual gifts as we covered the letter S of our SHAPE acronym. And I hope you prayed about what your gift is and how God wanted you to use it. I hope you made an attempt to discover what your gift is if you didn't already know. And if you didn't do that this week, well, there's still time. But come on, let's do this together, church. Don't you want to be a part of something, to be a part of the movement of God, but when we don't act on our, on, on our behalf, when we don't put forth the effort, we're just sitting out. So let's make ourselves available to the King and see what He can do. Today we're going to be talking about the letter H from this SHAPE acronym, which is the heart. In Colossians 3.23 and 24, the Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And so when we talk about the heart, we're talking about a bundle, the bundle of desires and hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams, and affections that you have inside of you. It's what you love to do and what you care about the most. And what does the bundle of your heart reveal about you? What are you passionate about? What fills you with joy? What makes you laugh in satisfaction? What makes you cry? Your emotional heartbeat reveals a very important key to understanding God's intentions in your life. So don't ignore that heartbeat. We, we don't want to be ruled by our emotions, but we don't want to ignore them either. God created all of our emotions for a reason, so let's listen to them. Because people rarely excel or persevere at things that they don't find roots in their hearts. This morning, we're going to look at a man whose heart moved him to action in the Old Testament. He listened to his bundle, and it led him to action. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, you can go ahead and turn over to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, Nehemiah was a man who discovered that he was shaped for something special. And he is a great example for us to follow, especially when it comes to your heart. Nehemiah lived in the middle of the 5th century B.C. Like I said, he's in the Old Testament. And he was a high official in the court of the Medo-Persian king Artaxerxes I. The kingdom of Israel had reached its peak under the reigns of King David and Solomon, but then they kind of did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and God allowed the kingdom to be divided, and then each was invaded by other worldly powers. The northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians in 721. The Israelite leaders and thousands of citizens were hauled away into captivity. 
The southern kingdom of Judah lasted another 130 years, but it was invaded by the Babylonians in about 587. And it was in those captivities that the stories of Daniel and Esther took place. Now eventually, as kings died off, there came, uh, there came some along that allowed the Jewish people to return to their homeland and rebuild. A man named Zerubbabel led some back to rebuild the temple, and a priestly leader named Ezra led more people back to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And sometime after that is when Nehemiah comes onto the scene. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 1. I hope you're there, and if you're not, I'm sorry. You've got to step up your page-turning game. I gave you enough time. I stalled. If you're not there, I can't help you. Nehemiah 1.1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Did you see how that news touched Nehemiah's heart? He immediately breaks down. He's weeping and he's troubled by it for several days. What was it that moved Nehemiah to tears? What was on his heart? What did he love? What was he so passionate about? It was the people of God. Yes, they were God's people, but these were also His people. They were His family. They were His friends. Their journey was His journey. Their mission was His mission. And their suffering was His suffering as well. Many of us would feel this way about our family. As a spouse, when one of us is going through something, well, we're both going through it. As a parent, when one of my kids is struggling or suffering, well, I'm right there struggling or suffering right along with them. When a family member is going through a storm, we're usually right in the boat with them. And sometimes we can be close enough with a friend to experience this as well. Maybe, maybe you're a teacher that would do anything for their students. Maybe you're a medical professional that would do anything for your patients. Maybe you're a coach that hangs on every moment right along with your team. All of us have relationships that, that touch us in the deep places of our hearts. And when they suffer our heart aches for them, and it motivates us to lift them up in prayer, to reach out and help out in any way that we can. If you've ever felt that for somebody, then you know what Nehemiah is feeling here as well. His people are suffering, and his heart is aching for them. And so he prays for them, and in perhaps an unexpected twist for Nehemiah, God says, okay, you're the plan. <laughs> God's plan is for Nehemiah to help the people. Nehemiah makes himself available to be the answer to his own prayer, and he follows his heart. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah's incredible story of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem is a story of a man with a passion and a heart for God, for God's people, and for following the will of God. It's the story of a man who allowed God to touch his heart 
and then did something about it. So this morning, what do you have a heart for? What stirs the bundle of your soul? What lights a fire inside of you? Do you have a heart for people with special needs? Do you have a heart for people who are hurting, people who are suffering or or, are homeless or struggling with addiction? Do you have a heart for people who are struggling with anxiety or depression? People who are broken and searching? I'm sure that God has touched your heart for somebody because the Spirit lives within you. It's that same Spirit that led Jesus to have compassion and love for the sick the broken, and the forgotten. And as Christ followers, we have been shaped for service. And part of that is a heart for others that may be suffering. But sometimes we can be a little afraid to open up our heart because what if God's plan is just like it was with Nehemiah? What if, what if we're the answer to the prayer? What if we have to be the one to take the initiative and, and do something about it? But some encouragement this morning, if that's you and you feel like you're ill-equipped or like, I'm not ready for this, I don't know that Nehemiah was ready for it either. His heart was broken. I don't think he was like, okay, let me rebuild the wall, God. No, it was God's plan, not Nehemiah's. But I want us to look at the story of Nehemiah and skip to the end, to to chapter 6. I'm doing the story no-no where we just skip to the end. But Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. See, Nehemiah's heart was broken. God said, I want you to rebuild the wall. But the wall got rebuilt. See, God gave Nehemiah a heart for his people. A fire was lit inside of Nehemiah, and he prayed that God would lead him. And God saw it through all the way to completion. Friends, I've never seen God start something in somebody that he didn't see through to completion. But don't just take my word for it. Philippians says in Philippians 1.6, And I am certain, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If God gives you a heart for something, if God stirs something up in your soul, if you prayerfully follow His will and His lead, do not fear because He is working ahead of you to help you complete what He has prepared in advance for you to do. When God gives you a heart for something or for somebody, then listen to it. Make yourself available to do something about it, whether it's you or somebody else doing it. God has put it on your heart for a reason. Jack Sanford tells the story of an old well his family used during their summer vacations in rural New Hampshire. The water there was cold and pure and refreshing, and it never dried up. Even in the worst summer droughts, it was still there. And when other people would be forced to walk all the way down to the lake for water, well, the Sanford family, they only had to walk out, to the, walk out their front door to this old well, which faithfully gave them its cold, clear refreshment every time. Well, the years passed, and the family decided to modernize the vacation house. Kerosene lamps were replaced with electricity, and the old well was replaced with indoor plumbing and running water. And the well was covered in order to have a reserve, in, order to, in, in case the occasion would ever arise. Well, more years passed by, and one day Sanford became nostalgic for the old well and its water. And he uncovered it to look inside and taste it again, but he was shocked 
to find that the well was bone dry. We made inquiries to discover what had happened, and he learned that this kind of well was actually fed by hundreds of tiny underground streams. And when water was drawn from such a well, more water flows into it through the rivulets, keeping them open and clear. However, when they're not used, they clog up and they close. Friends, our heart is like that old well. If we put a lid on it and stop using it for its intended purpose, it's going to dry up. God is putting these feelings in our heart for a reason. If we choose to do nothing, then He might take those feelings away. They might dry up. I'm reminded of the words of Mordecai to his younger cousin Esther from Esther 4.14. Mordecai says, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I know people who once showed a passion about certain things and certain people, but they didn't listen to the point of God and they chose to do nothing instead. And now they're uninterested with passions that have been dried up just like that well. And new passions might come along, new opportunities may spring up, but how did those unused passions affect the lives that God had intended for His people to reach? See, when we refuse to listen to our heart, miss opportunities that God has created for us to reach the lost. So friends, the time to listen to your heart and make yourself available is now. What has God put in your heart for such a time as this? Nehemiah had a heart for God's people at a time when they needed it the most. And when he prayerfully followed his heart, and God came through in a really big way, all the way to completion. And so what about you? This morning, what is God touching your heart about? What is He stirring inside of your soul this morning? Are you willing to pray about it? And are you willing to make yourself available to become the answer to your own prayer? In Matthew 23, Jesus is looking down at the city of Jerusalem, the same city whose walls were rebuilt by Nehemiah and the people centuries earlier. As he looked down at the city, the heart of Jesus was moved by the same passion that was in the heart of Nehemiah, a love for God's people. Jesus says in chapter 23, verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. And it was that same passion that same stirring in, for the heart of God's people and in the heart of Jesus for God's people, for the whole world that led him to give up his life on the cross as an atonement for all of our sins. See, Nehemiah's heart broke for the people and he rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. Jesus' heart broke for all people. So he went to the cross and broke down the walls that our sin had built between us and the Father. So this morning, what does your heart break for? Are you willing to make yourself available to be used by God? Because Jesus went to the the cross and He took away all of our guilt and our shame and our sin so that we could serve in the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You this morning that we can gather here together as the body of Christ and just learn from Your Word, learn from the people that You've put in place. 
Father, I pray that there would be a stirring inside of our heart this morning. A stirring that that looks for ways to serve, that looks for ways to use the, the gifts that you have given us. Father, we've been talking about these gifts and I I pray that we would know that we have been given them to to reach the lost and make disciples, to reach this world for your son, Jesus. So Father, I, I pray that this morning that our hearts would be in the right place, that our hearts would be pointed to you, committed to you, and that we would look for ways to reach those that, that maybe the, the, that society or that our culture doesn't, doesn't see that, 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 that have been forgotten. Father, I pray that we would listen to the stirring in our hearts, the, the passions, the desires, the hopes that you have placed inside of our hearts and not just let them dry up. Father, I pray instead of an attitude of somebody else will do it, we would instead come with an attitude of I'll do it, and anybody that, else, that wants to come along can come with me. I pray that we would all take a responsibility to, to reach, those for, reach those that need to hear about Jesus, reach them in, in new ways, reach them in ways that use the gifting that you have given us. Father, I, I pray we would hear these stories and that we would feel a responsibility to serve, that we haven't just been created to be saved but we have been created to serve you. So Father, this morning I pray that whatever might be going on inside of us, that we wouldn't force it down, we wouldn't ignore it, that we would want to be a part of what you're doing in this world. And so we're thankful for for your grace that allows that. We're thankful for your son Jesus, that he would go to the cross for us, that he would remove all of our our sin and our shame, that we would be forgiven, and that he would defeat death so we have a hope that extends beyond this world. Father, I pray this morning that we would feel a pull to tell others about that. That in this hopeless world, we could preach hope to those that need to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've come this morning and you've never made the decision to Make Christ the Lord of your life. He might have put you here this morning in such a time as this to make that decision. There's no better day than today to make that decision, to to make the greatest decision you could ever make, to make Him the Lord of your life, that from this day forward, you would put Jesus first above all things. And you would seek Him first. So if you've never made that decision, I'll be right down front here. I'd love to talk to you about being baptized this morning in front of all your friends and witnesses and, hey, I'm a new creation now. My old life is gone and I walk out of here a new creation. If you've already made that decision, you come this morning just really hurting, just really going through it right now, I'll be right up front. I'd love to pray with you. We've been given the gift of prayer that, that can be our spiritual weapon against the forces of this world. So let's invite God into whatever situation is going on in your life or the life of a loved one that you're just really struggling with right now. I'd love to lift that up in prayer with you this morning. If you don't want to come now, you can always come after the service or sometime during the week. 
You can always use our, our QR code to submit the prayer request of the week. We do pray over those every week as a staff because we know it's important to lift our people up. And so whatever it might look like, we'd love to pray for you. If you have a decision to make or need some prayer, I'll be right down front. Otherwise, I ask all of us to stand and sing our final song together.